This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. We are, we're recording, we're recording and things and stuff. This is Drinking with Authors, literary briefs episode. Woo! 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 I'm your host, Erica Lance. My co-host today is... Uh, Mark Muncy from Erie, Florida. Woo! Woo! And hey. our supreme guest, it's like the emperor, the emperor of guests, Matt Gladstone. <laughs> Now you have to turn around slowly and do the like. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Uh, hold on. Hold on. Okay, I'll do it again. Our supreme guest, Max Gladstone. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about what we're drinking because it's obvious. We are. I am drinking. I'm continuing to drink my vanilla porter Breckenridge Brewery, fine Colorado. I don't know. It's really yummy. It's good. It so, looks fantastic. It looks amazing. Looks amazing. Uh, I love Portis. Um, Mark, I know I know you're not able to I'm um, on my epilepsy meds, so tonight I am on Coffee Shop of Horrors. I want to believe banana cream. Oh my banana cream pie coffee. And yes, it is as delightful as it sounds. And wow, just wow. You know, I have to put I have to order that next time. I stick to my favorites, which is their amaretto. They have like an amaretto one. Oh yeah. And- yeah, that's and good. I can't I, remember I, the name I of it. I just finished the last of my autumn spice, which they only do, you know, for autumn. And so it's like I try to ration it like I try to ration blueberry. I would never survive a zombie apocalypse. I cannot <laughs> ration things. It's February and I'm out of all this stuff that I was trying to keep till next October. So, uh, but, uh, you know, so. You got to treat yourself in this circumstance, you know? Yeah, it's just, that's it. I'd be dead in a day. So, but, uh, but this is, this is, I, I found this one last time. So I recommended it. I'm like, I don't know, banana coffee. And now I'm like, oh my God, banana coffee. Why have I not tried this? And uh, yeah. So. Okay. So we'll have to try that. And then eventually we'll be talking about your coffee. Max, what are you <laughs> drinking for us tonight? Uh, right now I'm finishing up a bottle of Lafroy quarter cask. Um, which is amazing. This is my sort of sipping whiskey of preference. It's extremely peaty, extremely smoky, very intense flavor. Good to savor. Uh, and if that doesn't get me through rapid fire questions, I've got the remnants of a bottle of Nika from the barrel, which has served me well in the course of the pandemic. I, I like that it looks like a bottle of cologne. So that's yeah, it's on drunken times. I'm just throwing that out there. No, it's it's great in that way. Um, it was extremely frustrating to pour from when it was almost full. Like <laughs> it'd splash all over the place. But you know, once you get we got it down to about here, it started to be really stable. This was one great liquor store in the neighborhood, Ball Square, uh, fine wines and spirits. And um, I was there looking for something interesting, and they're like, "Oh shit, we still have a bottle of that." get that really i was thinking oh no 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 get that one i had a friend of mine um for christmas buy me alcohol and i thought this was really funny because she was like i've got it for your podcast they're not drinkers her and her husband never drink ever (laughs) and it's not like they were drinkers and they just never drink so she shows up with a bottle of tito's vodka and this gin and i was like the husband gave it to me but when i ran into her i'm like okay 
I have in my mind the story that this evolved from, but I need you to tell me how you came to these choices. And she's like, well, what do you think happened? And I said, I think what happened is you thought of a drink and oh, and she gave me um, uh, blue cheese olives, which is like a martini thing, right? Mm -hmm. I hate olives. Like anybody, <laughs> no, I hate olives. So I was like, she must think that I like martinis. And um, I, I do, but like the chocolate kind, you know? <laughs> so she, I go, well, how did you do this? And she goes, no, that's what happened. You like martinis, right? And I'm like, why do you think that? And she goes, well, when, when we out, went out to brunch, you had a martini. I said, Margarita, continue with your story. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, it wasn't a martini with an olive. I'm like, it was a mar it was a margarita with a jalapeno, but you can <laughs> where are you going with this? So she went and she's like, I go, do you walk into the store and say to the clerk, my friend drinks martinis and the clerk said, what kind, vodka or gin martinis? And you had no idea. So you bought a bottle of each. And she's like, yeah, maybe. maybe. <laughs> and I said, cool. What made you choose these two liquors? And she's like, I heard Tito's vodka on the radio. There you go. Yep. Advertising works. Yeah, this gin, and she goes, well, it's got a pretty bottle. It's got to be good. And I'm like, you should never be an alcoholic. You would be terrible. <laughs> nice. If yeah, you're going to be an alcoholic, be a good alcoholic. <laughs> well, like, do not listen to things on the radio and decide that that's what Yours is pretty good vodka. I'm not like a super vodka guy, but a buddy of mine was really into it and, and did his research back in the day and, and said that it was really good. Yeah, it's, it's not horrible. I just think it's funny because it's such a name brand, at least here in Florida. It's sure. such a like yeah. Tito's, you know what I mean? Smear yeah, yeah, yeah. like it's Come to think, my friend who was really excited about getting it was Floridian. He was not living in Florida at the time, but it's a thing here. Okay, yeah. rapid fire questions. All right, let's go. Right, we're already 10 minutes in. Let's do this. Shit. <laughs> Fine, Mark. More rapid. <laughs> Much more rapid. What is your favorite book of all time? Favorite book of all time. Gah. Uh, book that I've read the most is probably Roger Zelazny's Lord of Light. Um, maybe, oh, yeah. Night in the Lonesome October is, I read that every October. Every you October. Just read, it, yeah. just read it to our kid this, uh, this last October. It's Yay. so good. It's so good. It's like, it's the... It's the, the the gift of Rogers Lasney's late career, the like totally like manna from heaven descending so upon. You talk about fan fiction becoming a thing. We talked about that in the last thing. That's what this is. This is like the ultimate horror fan fiction, and it's, it's just it's amazing. It's so good. It's so good. And the Gahan Wilson art is so good, and the yeah. it's the it's like that's my favorite version of Sherlock Holmes. That what isn't yeah. Doyle Sherlock Holmes by far my favorite. Yep. Um, yeah, so good. Hey, I love when people sure. bring up Zelazny. So. And then, but it's it's weird because um, you know if you it, I think Lord of Light gets it just for longevity. Yeah. Like I started reading that book when I was ten and didn't get any of the jokes, didn't really understand what was going on, and then I reread it over and over from when I was ten to when I was about seventeen or so. Um, and when I start when I was like actually able to appreciate what somebody meant by, you know, making an ancient fertility symbol at the retreating back of a god or something yeah. like that. Oh, this is funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that that and I think Hero and the Crown are probably tied for most. And then but, you know, there's 
piles of um, deeply influential books that you know I've read less often, but it's hard to imagine what I would be without those two. That's what great. is your least favorite book? <laughs> <laughs> oh, vicious, vicious. <laughs> yep. Oh, brutal. Yep. I don't want to be mean. We know. We know. Oh, trust me. If people say that, I don't want to be mean. But then they're, it's not mean. It's your least favorite book. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Oh, God. Let me think. I do a good job of blocking these things out of my memory when I'm done with them. That too. But yeah, there's always the one. Mark's favorite thing in the entire world is when people talk about alabaster skin. Literally his favorite thing (laughs) in the entire world. Oh, just makes alabaster skin skin skin. crawl when I read that. Yeah, that's the word. Alabaster. That's the word. When, when somebody's talking about their alabaster skin, I'm like, oh, I'm out. Book's done. Throw he's, away. He's, I'm done. I, I do appreciate in the Vampire Chronicles when uh, when when like Anne Rice is talking a bit like that, but like the yep. the ideas that the old vampires are extremely weird and look like they're made out of stone. Stone. And, yeah. That that's a different type. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's when they're talking about the supple alabaster oh no oh no okay. yeah and oh, alabaster yeah. how right. does that work yeah no, uh no mine I, my least <laughs> supple as no, supple as uh alabaster in those oh god who's the guy i'm sorry it's that time I of night i'm spacing it's okay we're the going carving of orpheus of, of, not orpheus so apollo and daphne there's this yes carving in the um yes I'm forgetting the name of the artist, but like you can see it's like the, his hand is catching in her hair and, and it, it's marble, but it looks like a real hand, real hair. You can see yeah. like, ah, so great, so great. But that is not generally what's meant. Um, what What is your least favorite, Mark? My, I forget again. Jane Eyre. Oh my yeah, God. That's it. Jane Eyre. Oh, wow. I just read that. I, I thought it was pretty Sorry. fun. I, no, no. I just, I every time I hear them talk about Rochester, I picture Jack Benny's sidekick yeah it's just it's so terrible and such a caricature and that's what i kept picturing her in love with and it was the only way i got through the book <laughs> i have a, i have a kind of like sharp vision of the uh, kate beaton dude rot- watching with the brontes comic in my head the whole time when i was reading it like oh, okay that so work. brooding so so yeah. mysterious oh yeah if you like alcoholic dick bags uh, yes <laughs> that was um know, Okay, so 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 on that note, uh, book that I have since come to f- sort of reach an uneasy truce with, but when I read Madame Bovary in college, I hated it. I could not with this uh, with this person, um, and you know, I had a friend who like read it in French and was super excited about it. And this is a great genius work, and prob- maybe if I went back to it, I would like find something there but it's the only book i've ever hate written an essay about like i just could not it was I like so that. hate written an essay mark we need to start hate writing essays or poems yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that needs to be our new pastime okay writing. <laughs> um, mark what's your rapid fire question you're supposed to have one now oh my rapid fire question okay science fiction what is your favorite genre of science fiction um New Wave. Okay. Um, and by that, I specifically mean that sort of moment when things were getting really uh, formally interesting. Um, all, of this, all of the really cool science fiction spaceships and lasers and aliens and stuff is happening. 
but also you have Zelazny screwing around with typography all over the place. You have Delaney getting stylistically wacky and intense. You have um, you have Moorcock doing Moorcock stuff. And I, I understand like my, my genre history is imperfect. So I understand I'm lumping a lot of stuff in here that wouldn't maybe technically be called new wave, but there's that period where you've got like, where you've got Chip Delaney writing, you've got Zelazny writing, you've got Le Guin writing, you've got like just there's so much talent firing on all cylinders and people are pushing science fiction in and literature in directions that it wasn't going like I call that the B Dalton era because that was about the time B Dalton books existed yeah 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 yeah, exactly (laughs) exactly I like that as a the B the B Dalton era okay so do you um what is your favorite book to movie or book to tv show um book to movie or book to tv show uh gotta be super super basic about it but man lord of the rings films good stuff i they're not not perfect i do think that i do think that peter jackson does denethor dirty i think that i think that there are parts of the book that just don't translate like there's a sort of ineffable um profound magic to the way that aragorn moves through the world to that that like uh, is not captured by the cinematography but by god uh just to have been captured so well that we should have been so fortunate that hollywood (laughs) that 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 the grand mess of cinema filmmaking were to turn out books that were that much in the in like the neighborhood of what Tolkien did it's it's uh, it's a wonderful thing to me that those people those actors the spirit that was brought to them the the cave troll you know it's 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 great all right dream dream book to movie what would you like or book series to movie oh man um well or series yeah dream book or series I mean excluding my own uh well, you know we're gonna get I into mean, that next yeah okay cool cool <laughs> um let's see let's see let's see um i would i'm i i i want i want a broken earth series because i want the those books which already have such a huge following to have the step up of just general population recognition that a series would get them but at the same time there the style of them is so intense and so great as a book like they're, they're so textual in this juicy amazing way that you it's 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 rare in in like extremely commercial extremely like drivey salesy science science fiction and fantasy to have something that's that intricate and that um that voice conscious uh that i i don't know i would i'm sure that there's an amazing television series to get out of that but i would um but it would be an enormous and epic making adaption challenge um, so, so that having been said, I will say that I am super keeping my fingers crossed for the Dune series, uh, for the Dune movies. I've given up on keeping my fingers crossed about anything having to do with fucking Dune series anymore. <laughs> well, okay. this is the thing. They're always, they, they are always broken. Yep. 
No, that's good. my thing. Like the first still movie, good. <laughs> if you never read the book, it was a mildly entertaining movie. Like the first Dune movie. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Never read the book was a mildly entertaining movie, and then they did the series, and I was like, oh, they're doing a mini series, which is what I love that they do with Stephen King books because I think it translates way better as a series. Yeah, totally, totally. Whatever. I'm a big fan of the Gary Sinise, the Stand miniseries. Yes. And I'm yeah. and really so confused thought, as to how they managed to make a new The Stand miniseries so impeccably timed, but. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know, I, every time I read the, reread The Stand, I get a cold. So, yeah. I, always, so been, I have avoided it this year because. I ah, yeah, 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 there first. you go. Yeah. Yeah, stay, stay away. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's fine. And so then when they did the miniseries, I was like, yes. And then I was like, no, what the fuck? I, I have this thing from doing screenwriting as well that and my boyfriend teases me about it all the time. I'm like, give me the fucking script. Give me the script. Yeah. What is wrong with you people? Like, this yeah, they're, they're like, pull over and let me drive. Yes. So yes. It's really How do you strong. Screw up this connection. How do you? Yeah. <laughs> like, it is not that hard. What are you yeah. doing? So I'm. I. It's going to take a lot for me to watch the next one. I mean, I, you know, there's a lot of lot of lot of ranges of feelings about Dune. There are a lot of very valid critiques of it. I read it when I was. I read the whole series when I was ten. You know, like I I got into it hook, line, and sinker. And it, it was really, I think, formative for me in a lot of ways. I, I really love Jessica as a character. It's wow. it, they, they were standouts for me as a kid reading them because of how central um, how central characters like Jessica and Chani are to the unfolding of the thing. It is, it is a very like dude with a knife saves or destroys the galaxy kind of series on surface level, but like, for the first half of it, you're following his mother trying to keep him safe and take care of her husband and this like doomed political manipulation. And she's a witch and it's and like not being respected by people and then constantly like outmaneuvering them. It's so, it's so cool. It's great, yeah. great stuff. Okay, so okay. casting your show. Okay. Casting the show of your books. Okay. Right. So that's what right. we're gonna do is, all right. So which of which of your series do you think would should be first to be trained? Well, uh, I'm, Keeping my fingers crossed for this is how you lose the time war, which is closest. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is how you lose the time war. We optioned, um, and we got retained to write a pilot script for it. And now we are trying to we're, we're sort of moving forward in the development process. But this is one of those fingers crossed, like yeah, see see what happens kind of situations. I think time war would make a great series. It's um, it, it's very tight um and streamlined in the book by design, but there's just so much to do with the emotional connection of those two characters and the canvas for the show is so vast. Um, the possibilities for elaborating on it are almost endless. It would, it would make a much better series, I think, than it would have made a novel. The vastness of the canvas means that to tell a novel story, you would need to intentionally uh, blunt it in a way or sort of contain the fiction in a way that the, at a novella length, we could get really poetic and elusive and extremely speedy. Um, Amal has the great analogy of it's like you're seeing worlds at a train window zipping past. Um, but in a series, you have the space, as you were saying, to, um, to, to sort of do that concept justice. Uh, so that I, I would love to see a craft sequence, episodic or procedural series. That would be fantastic. Um, it, it's a big world. It's hard to make fantasy television just because of the depth of effects that are necessary, but 
God, it would be so much fun to do. Nice. I I think it's on on approach. Mark, what would you, what series would you want to see made if you could see one made? Oh, um, I would, I would love, like we were talking earlier, I don't think it would translate well, but I think it would is Rothfuss. I think uh, and all that would be an amazing series, but I think it would lose because he's so good with language Mm -hmm. uh, that it would lose a lot. But, um, but I think that would just be spectacular because I would love to see even more people learn about that series because it's just- yeah yeah exactly. I'm gonna go old school. Huh? I actually think what would be a, a translate very well and be a very fun series on like Netflix would be the Incarnations of Immortality by Pierce Anthony. Ooh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Because I think right. that would the characters and being like real people that have to get sucked into these roles would translate incredibly incredibly well to the screen that's true that would be a great yeah yeah that'd be a great concept and you could i mean i know it wouldn't be a straight up adaptation but then that also gives you space to like have other actors step in as the characters if people move on or die it's a good concept yeah Yeah. and then if you go take this and make millions you better put at least a credit of my name somewhere in there (laughs) (laughs) okay okay Old school fantasy, or mm-hmm. uh, do you like do you like pulp style, or Tolkien style, or do you like the new stuff? You know, as a role player, what's your what's your what's your poison there? Oh, as a role playing gamer, interesting question. Um, I as as a reader, I like all of it, really all of it. I, I you know, um, I haven't delved too deep into the like into the sort of even pre Lovecraft like the Dunsany and. Uh, you know, Edison, like that, that universe, that's still a frontier that I have not yet advanced on, but it's, it's all, it's all wonderful. Um, uh, as a gamer, I am always skeptical when things move towards a Tolkien space, just because for me, right? Like my, my Tolkien exposure was like listening to the BBC miniseries, the BBC uh, audio series over and over again with my sister, reading the books, reading the Hobbit, watching the Rankin Bass movies. Like there's a, there's a, um, a mythical depth to Tolkien that I think is very hard to capture at a table unless you have, I don't know. It's something that I, at least as a GM would be really, really unnerved to try to capture. It'd be like trying to bottle lightning. Maybe you get it with one game, with one group of people, maybe not. Whereas um, I think gaming lends itself very well to a Fawford and the Grey Mouser style, like um, scoundrels and ne'er-do-wells, or even you know people with a heart of gold in a kind of messed up world, just trying to get by and stay one step ahead of the headman. You know, like it lends itself to that feeling. And I think a lot of the... Um, core fantasy games are very well tuned to give you that kind of experience that's probably my preference as a as a runner of games and it's definitely where i feel more comfortable as a player i don't know like when i sit down honestly these days when i sit down at the table it's after a long day of work child care you know being alive during a historical period uh, and uh, like does one want necessarily is one ready to channel the full gravitas necessary to have a colloquy with Treebeard. Me, often, I'm ashamed the answer is no. Am I ready to, uh, am I ready to like 
steal a count's prized mask that he was going to wear when he was trying to like knife the duke later on in the story yeah absolutely i'm totally down for mask stealing messing with snake cults you know making horrible mistakes because i forgot to read read the fine print on the contract that's like that's that's very comfortable uh what's your favorite kind of character to play my favorite kind of character to play um ah Good question. I like I like kinetic characters. I like, but which I don't mean that they have to move a lot. But I I do mean that I find it more most comfortable to play a character when I have an off the wall idea and the right answer for the character is to follow it up. Very chaotic neutral of you to say. You know, not not exactly chaotic neutral. More like. Um, if it's if alignment probably chaotic good but in terms of do i care about the integrity of this meeting a lot closer to chaotic neutral you know chaotic chaotic uh, shoot the bad guy in the middle of the extended speech um whatever that is <laughs> so basically samuel L. jackson deep blue sea mm, yeah yeah something like that what about you mark what are your favorite characters to play Oh, I'm always the, uh, I like playing the, the snarky, uh, wizard who doesn't really like being a wizard. Uh, you know, and it's always pretending to be more powerful than he is. I don't know where that comes from. That's probably the old Schmendrick from last unicorn in me. Uh. You know, just, uh, trying to, trying to be that that's, I always wind up playing that guy, even though I usually just play what I roll and that's, and that mm-hmm. for some reason, that's what it always comes up as high intelligence, low wisdom, you know, high decks and then crappy everything else. So it's like, all right, he's, he's a, he's a, he's, he's really smart, but only for specific things. And um, uh, so that's what I usually wind up with, but it's, it's always fun. So, yeah, no, I think it's fun to play a flawed character that doesn't think they're flawed. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. my favorite character I ever played was a swashbuckler and she had a seven wisdom. So she had zero common sense in any activity. Zero. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, pretty much she she had gotten herself to a point where she thought she was the greatest thing in the no concept of danger. Like you, you have no common sense. Like, doesn't matter how intelligent you are. And she wasn't that intelligent either. That's right? great. It's like Seahawk and Shira. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like it's <laughs> I love those kind of characters where you can get in and they are so in the DMs just going. This is going to go like you're screwed. You're totally screwed. Whatever. Well, this is great, though. And I think those are also great characters for GMs, even though they will maybe sometimes give you some crap about it because they give you something to jump off of. Right. I'm playing a character right now. Um, just very early days in a campaign. I'm sure it's going to shake out. OK, but um, but I am thinking I put a lot of time into thinking about like, oh, this person's backstory oh, this is a really interesting issue to explore. But I'm finding myself at like, oh, wait, this is actually a two sensible and moral character like i don't i haven't quite cracked the voice i haven't quite cracked the kind of chaos this person is going to create or the kind of fuck up they're going to be like that's really important for me coming to the table how is this guy or gal gonna mess stuff up for people or for themselves um in, in a way it's a it's it's funny because you need that also when you're writing books but there's this temptation because it's all your universe and you have control to make like your characters super badass and or or, like really really good at what they do no they would never 
create this problem for themselves or that problem for themselves. Actually, that's one of the things that people are excited about. It's one of the things people relate for. Like, um, you, you know, we, we keep bringing up Rothfuss, but one of the things I think is great about Quoth is that, okay, yeah, he's like really, really smart and he's really, but he also causes nine tenths of his own problems by being an idiot. Like by having total failures of basic human common sense. Uh, yeah, and that's, like that's great. It's like, it's charming. Yeah, he's always like, if Quoth did everything that he, you know, the right way, there wouldn't be a book. It would have just been the most boring thing ever. Right. Like, yeah, Quoth goes to school and is good at school. And I, no, yeah. no, Quoth goes to school and gets himself in deep with a loan shark for no reason. <laughs> and, you know, then tries to gank the loan shark in the second book because that works out. Yeah, that's like, great. He, he just, yeah. You know, for, for somebody who's so smart, he makes like one bonehead play after another. And initially I thought, you know, I, it was it was like, is this person actually that smart? But then, you know, on reflection, I know people who are that smart who make all those stupid fucking mistakes. <laughs> so and your books, I, I know all the ones I've read, that, that whole series has the, it's like everybody gets their powers from like being very cagey with these demonic deals. <laughs> yes. So there's always the downside that's coming and they know it. Yeah. How, how good were they at making it, minimizing that? Right. Yeah. I thought that was just, that drew me in so much to that, you know, series. And um, so I wanted to know, do you have any legal background? Where did you come up with some of this? Uh, so. Thank you. I'm, I'm really glad that that works for you. I do not myself have any legal background, but I am married to an attorney. Her mom uh, is an attorney. I went to like for a while there soon after I graduated college, it seemed like every single person I knew was going to law school, which gave me I have, it gives me some limits in how I can write about the law. Like there are some things that I just plain have not experienced and very hard to write about those from the inside out. But I also have a lot of experience talking to lawyers, hearing how lawyers talk and trying to make sense of their lives because I have to to survive um, socially. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Don't sort worry, of like- only authors are listening to this. So you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> They're not going to listen to this. <laughs> yeah, so, 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 so it's like uh, you know just trying to figure out how these people talk and then and honestly trying to understand like the initial intuition of um bankruptcy and necromancy being pretty similar that sort of drives a lot of three parts dead came out of having a conversation with a bankruptcy attorney and just like not knowing what chapter 11 was thinking that you know growing up in uh, you know, as a child of some high school teachers in rural Tennessee, my sense was, well, when the company runs out of money, then you just just you just sell the stuff and it's done, right? That's what bankruptcy means. You got to sell all your shit. And then like, no, no, actually, the company's worth more alive, but it's you can change it a lot in order to make it actually make money now. Like, what? Is it, yeah, the machines are just worth like pennies on the dollar, but the brand, the relationships, all oh, so it's like you... It's like you, it's dead, but then you raise it from the dead, kind of. It's like a Frankenstein situation. You fire the board, like scoop out the brains, put other brains in there, rewire the bits, and then maybe it more or less does. Yeah, that's basically how it works. Oh, cool. So there, there's an advantage to the having enough distance or a low enough level of comprehension of the subject matter that you need to resort to analogy and common experience in order to wrap your head around it. And I don't know, that's kind of my MO. Good. No, very I mean, well done. So. I, Thank I, you. I, 
I always say when it comes to lawyers and which I, um, I have the opportunity to work with way too many, I always say, you know, what is right is not always what is correct. Mm -hmm. What is right is not always what is correct. And they mm -hmm. speak like that. So it's a great, like, okay, where are they going? And they're using lots of big words that nobody understands. <laughs> it's, I mean, there's, there's a wizardiness to it. Yep. Yes, Very completely. Much. Okay, we have to wrap up here shortly. Mark, I'm going to give you, since fanboy, the final question, my friend. Wow, really? Really? You're, you're putting this on me. Okay, so you mentioned Douglas Adams. You got that behind you. Yeah. What, what is your quick grab book when you just need a quick moment of fun or just something to clear your mind, you know, put you in a Zen moment? What is what is your go-to book? Oh, that's a really good, that's a really good question. Um, you know, honestly, for me, any, um, any, any book, like I, I have bookcases in almost every room in my house and almost anything that I grab uh, settles me, puts my mind in order. Uh, I think probably the, the big, like, I can't even right now and I need to read a book, but I can't with the book that I'm reading is probably always going to be Terry Pratchett. I mean, he can't go wrong with that. Yeah, absolutely. Can't go wrong with that. And there's such a diversity within him. So, you, you know, if you're, oh, I'm in this mood, I'm in a raising steam mood or I'm in a. Yeah. Mood. Yeah. That's would say like the, the one thing that you can count on is that the insight will be deep and cutting and that the dedication to humanity will be unwavering. Look at how poetic that ending to this podcast was. Like, I can't even write yeah. that crap. Like, seriously. <laughs> Max, you have been amazing to have on these shows. Thank you so much. You have been so much fun. It's been wonderful talking to you. And when this epic here. novel that you're rewriting that you wrote five million years ago comes out and you yeah. want to come back on this podcast, I would love to have you for the announce of that book. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I would love to do that. That It'd would be, wonderful. be fantastic. Plus, I'm going to somehow figure out how to get into one of the games you're running. So I'm going to figure <laughs> that out. It's like a ninja move. Excellent. I'm, I'm easing back into GMing. I've been playing and stuff a lot because it does take some of the same uh, systems as um, as as uh, as writing books. And my time has not been a lot, but I'm starting off with just like a small bunch of people that I went to college with. Like, can I get a one shot together? Run that over a couple of days, single adventure. So I'm fingers crossed that's going to work out. I'm just but saying, if, I, if you want, you have players here that would <laughs> excellent gladly be on your. I would, I would love to do that. I'd love to do that. I'm going to see if I can run this one thing first without causing it to burn down, fall over and sink into the swamp. But then. <laughs> I love that. Okay. So um, we know you don't have nearly as much time on social media as you used to, but tell everybody how to cyber stalk you. Yes. Oh, right. Absolutely. I am on uh, Twitter at Max Gladstone. I am Max.Gladstone, I think, on Instagram. And if you go to maxgladstone.com, which is my website, you can sign up. There'll be a banner at the top. You can sign up for my announcements newsletter, which is very tasteful and only when I actually have something to announce. But uh, in the near future, I'm hoping to start a sort of content newsletter. So that will also be announced on the announcements newsletter. You know, that's the best way to keep apprised of anything that's going on in my life or career. For newsletters, yay! Newsletters. Awesome. He promises he doesn't post about every time he walks a dog. It's cool. It's fine. Oh, he's good. 
You have been amazing. Thank you so much for being on our podcast. Well, thank you for inviting me. This has been a really wonderful way to spend the evening. Thanks. So Absolutely. Okay, I've been your host, Erica Lance, and with me, uh, Mark Muncy from Atbury, Florida. And we will see you next time, guys. Cheers. <laughs>